So after I graduated from graduate school, we spent three long, long years looking for my first job as a pastor. Three long years. I had three different jobs. We had our first son. We had a number of health issues. It was, it was really long. And finally, finally, we ended up at a church in central Oregon in a small town called The Dalles, with the definite article. A city that you might have heard of if you had ever played the old uh, educational video game, The Oregon Trail. Apparently, it's the end of The Oregon Trail, so, um, I, but I had never really, really heard of it up to that point. So not long after moving there, I got in our car, and I turned on our radio, and I started driving, and I wasn't really paying attention. It was a, a national radio show. It was on NPR, and I wasn't really paying attention to what the show was about, but then I heard them say this, the first major act of biological terrorism in the United States happened in a small town in Oregon called The Dalles. What? We just moved here. Like, they didn't mention this while I was interviewing. How could you not mention this? Now, in the Gospel of Mark, there are a number of stories that begin and then they're interrupted by another story. So with that in mind, let's listen to our gospel reading today from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. Again, Jesus entered the religious or the, the place of worship or the synagogue, and a man who was there had a hand that was disabled. They, the religious leaders, were watching Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath or the day of rest so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man whose hand was disabled, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them, feeling both anger and grief at their hard-heartedness or their callous indifference. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The religious leaders went out and immediately conspired with their political enemies as to how they might destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for the last two weeks, we've been talking about the challenge of understanding the language that Jesus uses because it's the same language as the propaganda of the Roman Empire. Jesus proclaimed good news about the kingdom of God, but Caesar, the emperor of Rome, also proclaimed good news about the kingdom of Rome. Initially, Jesus' audience likely understood that he was bravely setting himself up in contrast to Rome's way. He was setting up God's way of love in contrast to the way of empire. But, but here's the problem. 1,700 years ago, Christianity and empire became friends. They joined forces so that through most of Christian history, it's been almost impossible to tell the difference in any meaningful way. So what happens if we keep talking about the kingdom of God, 
but we forget that it's supposed to reflect something completely different about how Jesus wanted us to use or understand power. Well, what has happened are crusades and the colonizing of other continents and cultures and people. What happens is the slave trade. What happens is anti-Semitism and sexism and racism. All kinds of expressions of top-down domination in the name of God. If we don't understand what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the good news of the kingdom of God. So I began asking around about, tell me about this biological terrorist thing that nobody told me about. And I was told a story about this religious community or this cult in the 1980s who built a utopian community out in the wilderness and then tried to take over political power of the county by poisoning salad bars in restaurants around the city to keep people from voting for other candidates. So if you are not already against eating at salad bars, this might, might push you over the edge. Over 750 people in this small town got sick. And as I asked around, there were a bunch of people in my congregation who were like, oh yeah, that was terrible. I was so sick. It's like, what? This is so bizarre. There's actually a documentary on Netflix about it called Wild Wild Country. If you're interested, I've actually been watching it this week. And it's, it's actually much more complicated than we might imagine. But this is what happens, this can happen when religious communities fail to see the contradiction between our good news and forcing our good news on others through coercion or even violence. Jesus asks a very simple question. Is it better to do good or to do harm? To save life or destroy it on the day of rest? It's not, that's not a complicated question. But they, they actually all agree. The religious leaders agree that it's better to do good. They agree that the Sabbath is supposed to be life-giving. But they don't answer because they don't agree with Jesus about how the Sabbath is good and who has the authority to tell people what is good. Jesus' way of love is a threat, not because the religious leaders prefer the way of hate. It's a threat because they're concerned that Jesus' definition of good is actually not good for their people or for their faith. So to protect the good, they conspire to kill and destroy, not seeing the contradiction that we see standing back 2,000 years. But this is only human, isn't it? When it feels like there's a threat to us or to our views or to our way of life, it's not uncommon for us to lean into the worst parts of our humanity. So it's one thing to notice the hypocrisy and the danger of a strange cult in the wilderness in central Oregon. It's another thing to notice it within our own faith or within ourselves. Jesus uses the term hard-hearted or callously indifferent when talking about the religious leaders, 
But he'll use this same term several times when talking about his own disciples who keep failing to understand his way of love. According to uh, the Pew Research Center, 45% of Americans in 2022 think the U.S. should be a Christian nation. Should be. And that over 50% of those people believe that the Bible should have more political authority than the will of the people. So, we've talked about this before, that Christian nationalism is not patriotism. Christian nationalism is the belief that Christians should receive special privilege politically and culturally, and that to be a good American is to be a good Christian. So, can you imagine what it's like to be Jewish, or a Muslim, or an atheist, or anything other than a Christian, knowing that politically half of this country want them to be second-class citizens. How has our faith become so entangled with nation and politics? Still too early, right? <laughs> Like I began the year saying, we, we now live in an election year, and that's going to happen. I know, it's still too early. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, this happens probably in part because we forget that Jesus' kingdom language wasn't an endorsement of the Roman Empire. It wasn't an endorsement of the way of Rome. Instead of following Jesus' vision to love and serve everyone, at times, we come to believe that we're called to control and rule over everyone. So we, we need better language to help us flip the kingdom of God upside down once again, or maybe right side up. This is why last week we talked about how Martin Luther King Jr. often would talk about the kingdom of God, but at the same time talk about the beloved community a community that is marked by equality and justice and freedom and love. We need the counter of the beloved community to understand the kingdom of God. Here's another way for us to think about the kingdom of God that comes to us from a newer German translation of the Bible. When Martin Luther, 500 years ago, translated the Bible into German for the first time, he used the accurate phrase, Gott's Reich, kingdom of God, or God's kingdom. Now, even if you don't understand German, you might already notice the problem. Did anybody notice the problem? Reich means kingdom. But what images come to mind when we hear that word? From the moment that the Nazis referred to themselves as the Third Reich, the term kingdom of God in German, in the German Bible at least, was a problem. Can we really talk about the kingdom of God if our immediate association is to a word or is to a Christian nationalist movement that claimed God's authority for themselves to dominate and control the world? Of course not. So a newer German translation offers us something that I think is much more helpful. Instead of using kingdom or any other known political structure of authority, 
It uses the term God's new reality. I don't know if that's helpful for you, but it's certainly helpful for me because it doesn't have the association of any domineering political structure. God's new reality, the beloved community. This is Jesus' vision for doing good rather than harm. Jesus' vision to heal rather than to destroy, to heal so much of the pain and the division that has been caused by Christians who have failed to understand that the kingdom of God looks nothing like the kingdoms or the empires or the political parties of our world. So let's go back one more time to this religious cult in Oregon or this religious community. I I, I watched this documentary this week. It's like, I don't know, six episodes, and it's way too long. They really could have edited it a little bit. But, But as I watched this, the strangest thing happened because I was listening to this story, and I was realizing that, of course, it's more complicated than the story I was originally told. But then I started to have a little bit of compassion for these people. Now, to be clear, nothing justifies the harm that was caused by this community, or at least some in this community. But it seems that this was indeed a minority religious community that was never welcomed or treated fairly by the powerful majority Christian culture that surrounded them. God's new reality, I think this means, at least for me, that God's new reality is just about our own healing as it is about the healing of those who we think are wrong. Christians can be callously indifferent or hard-hearted just as much as anybody else. Maybe I should just say, I can be callously indifferent just as much as anyone else. Which is why Jesus continues to call us to follow His way of love, which is radically different than the way that our world tends to work. We need healing just as much as anybody else, which is why Jesus continues to invite even Christians, can you believe it, even Christians into the beloved community, the kingdom of God at work in the world as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your good and healing love. We pray that you would soften our hearts when we become callous and indifferent toward those who are different than us. May your new reality come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.